grid view here because uh, uh, actually Olivia pop back on for a second. I just want everybody to see what goes on behind the scenes. You probably can't see Don. He's probably already turned off his video, but uh, there is a crew of people and uh, this is the proverbial backstage. And uh, I just thought it'd be fun for everybody to say hello and um, give a comment and just give a shout out and just say how grateful you are. Um, you've seen the work that goes into putting these videos together every week and um, just a shout out to Andrew who has just been learning and learning and learning every every week uh, up in the game for us and to Don behind the scenes and putting it all together. Um, maybe we can get Don on here toward the end or a little bit, but um, just thank you. Thank you guys and uh, for those of you that are watching at home, just send them some love. Uh, just give a shout out, say how grateful you are for all the work that they're doing. Um, it's a privilege. It's a privilege to be able to do this. Uh, there are people around the world right now who don't have this technology, who don't have the capabilities to be connected like we are. And, um, you know, it's, it's an easy thing to say, you know, we're all experiencing the same thing, but we're not. Not everybody's experiencing the same thing. Um, yeah, we might all be in some version of a lockdown, but we're all experiencing that lockdown in very different ways. And um, the inequities that exist around the world the ability to, to sit at home and, and uh, to do this, to be connected virtually, is a privilege. And uh, so let's not take that for granted. And just thank you to all of you who are contributing to make that happen. So um, at this point, uh, I think Andrew's going to pop off. Thank you, Andrew, for your leadership today. And uh, he's going to join in the comment streams, I'm sure. And uh, Olivier, you can go ahead and turn your video off. And it's uh, We've got a special uh, presentation this morning. It's going to be a little different than usual. Um, I asked uh, my son, Jared, to join me uh, on the Zoom. We're actually at the same house, but uh, we figured microphone-wise and otherwise, it was actually going to be easier uh, if we were actually on the Zoom together. So good morning, Jared. Good morning. It's good to be here. <laughs> good to have you. And uh, for those of you that don't know, might be tuning in for the very first time, uh, Jared is my son. Uh, that's why we are in the same house together. Um, Jared is also uh, about to graduate from Roberts Wesleyan College. Uh, he's one of those 2020 uh, non-graduates that's going to graduate, right? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> You're in that middle ground with all of this crazy, can't walk the stage, but um, it's kind of a weird, a weird season of life. And I've been watching lots of posts this week. Uh, some of you have high school graduates, uh, some of you have college graduates. Uh, it's just an awkward season for a lot of people and I know some people are really grieving that. So we share in that, we understand that and um, we're here with you in that regard. Um, I've invited Jared to talk a little bit with me uh, about this passage in Acts, Acts uh, 2, 42 through 47. And um, as we were unpacking it, uh, I know Jared had some good questions and uh, I was gaining some new insights and we just thought maybe it would be fun to have a dialogue between us, uh, a little bit different format today. And uh, maybe it flows a little bit with the relaxed nature of being outside. I saw Patty's outside watching bluebirds and goldfinches and uh, some of you are hosting watch parties, Nancy and Mark, maybe from your backyard and that's fantastic. Um, I don't know where everybody's tuning in from today, but I do know it's a beautiful Sunday. And uh, we don't often get to the chance to have church out, outside, so we're doing it today. And uh, so maybe along with those lines, we're just having a little bit more of a relaxed format. So, um, so Jared, why don't you uh, kick us off and um, tell us maybe just if you want to just share an insight or two. I know this is a passage of scripture that you know well, 
Uh, maybe just give us a little insight or two, or maybe just start with a question. I don't know. However you want to lead us off today. <laughs> All right, yeah. Um, this is a passage that um, has always seemed kind of exciting. It's been one um, that as a church maybe, or even just as an individual for myself and you know some of my close friends, we just find it as like this exciting um, chance to look at how life was um, right after Pentecost. And it's this radical form of, uh, of Christian living um, where it seems like they're getting these, you know, incredible results. And, you know, it's hard to say if the results are from living that way um, or if they're just, you know, the, the consequence of the season, but you've got these um, uh, con conversions, um, you know, over 3000 in a day and then, you know, daily adding to that number. Um, you've got, um, preaching in the temple courts, you've got, um, seeing signs and wonders, um, you know, eating together with, it says glad and sincere hearts. Um, this <laughs> kind of idyllic picture of, uh, what comes out of Pentecost. And it's something that is, I think, really attractive that we, we want to, uh, as a community in some way replicate. Um, so it you know started making me think like are, are there ways to to live differently are there ways to actually um bring about that lifestyle and so i i started to wonder and was, was thinking you know maybe this is a question you can help answer but is is this a way that we as christians should be living like all the time is that even possible or if it's possible is it something we should do yeah and that uh it's a challenging question for this passage and um i know Lots of ink has been spilled. Pages have been written uh, by commentators and authors and others. Um, we're trying to get at, you know, is this a, is this a model for the church? Um, Acts 2, 42 to 47, is this something we should pattern the church after? And, uh, you know, as I studied it a little bit more this week and, and was listening to some other people uh, share their insights and read a little bit more about this, uh, I think it's important to put Acts 2, 42 to 47 in context, right? So, so what's happening in Acts chapter 2? Uh, Acts chapter 2 uh, has been the outpouring in a miraculous way of the Holy Spirit on this small group of people. Uh, we say small, probably about the size of New Hope, um, about 120 folks. Uh, so just imagine what that was like. And uh, this outpouring of the Holy Spirit, tongues of fire coming to rest on each of them, the sound of a rushing wind, all of this stuff. And the world is immediately, or their, their immediately surrounded um, world is thrown into chaos. Uh, people from all over the world um, are living there in Jerusalem, and they hear all of the, this happening in their own languages. So now the, the world is, is kind of looking in, and they're thinking these strange Galileans, they don't even know how to talk right. They don't know how to talk with this language, and, and uh, people are paying attention, and some people think they're drunk. And, and then Peter stands up, and Peter says, you know, this is what happened, and this is who Jesus was, and you crucified him, and but this is who he is, and and people are tuned in, and all of a sudden, bam, you got 3,000 people. you got an instant megachurch, right? <laughs> Isn't that crazy? So you've got an instant megachurch. And, and so is Luke now writing, the author of Acts, is he writing and saying, whoa, this is how you run a megachurch from Acts 2, 42 to 47? Or is he just saying, this is how they were coping with life. This is kind of what happened. And... Um, this is, I think it's more the latter. I think it's that, right? I think it's it's less about 
prescription, you know, in that sense. It's less about um, trying to say this is exactly how to do it and saying this is exactly what happened. And I think one author that I was reading, uh, one commentator, she's actually an assistant professor of homiletics down at Duke University. Her name is Jerusa McNeil. And um, I think one thing that you learn from what she said is that it's a little bit, um, I don't know, I guess it's less prescriptive than it is. Luke isn't trying to describe something idyllic. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. She's, she's tried to say it. Um, if you read over into Acts 4, Acts 5, and then into Acts 8, you see the persecution that hits the church. And uh, Luke isn't trying to describe something idyllic. He's just sharing what happened, and this is how they responded to it. So, I don't know. That's my initial thought, is you have to put Acts 2, 42 to 47 in some context. And yeah, so the... Context, yeah, go ahead. The context that you're adding there is that this is just a, a group of foreigners who in is in Jerusalem and maybe the, the reason they're sharing um, so much, you know, they, they have everything in common is that they're actually just visiting the city. They don't actually have some of their own. Every, not everyone there has their own homes. Um, so they're sharing what they do have. Um, and it's kind of this celebration of what's just happening. But um, you're saying that's more like just circumstantial rather than like a, a calling is that what you're saying yeah that's what i'm understanding this passage to be now um is definitely a lot more circumstantial um you think about the galileans the, the this this group of apostles they were largely galileans they were they were fishermen they were and there's farmers in this mix and 120 folks and they they assemble in jerusalem because that's where jesus has said he's going to pour out their spirit and so You've got these travelers, you know, that have kind of experienced this whew, great thing. And, and then you've got all these foreigners from around the, the Mediterranean basin who have come in, you know, from Africa and all the way over towards Rome and Italy and up into maybe what would be considered now Europe and, and then even eastward. And these are all foreigners living in a strange city. There's Galileans, there's fishermen, farmers living in a city. Like, how do you live together? How do you make ends meet? And then think now you got 3,000 of you gathering together just think about the amount of bread that would have to be made every day uh, just think <laughs> about the amount of work to host people every day and they were coming from different means they had different things going on in their lives some people were wealthy some weren't they just so many different things going on in their lives and um, I think that that's really what's going on here is how do they cope with that how do they handle that uh, in some ways um, this is like a, a time of preparation as much as it is uh, a culmination. This is early on. Remember, this is the Holy Spirit's just been poured out. They don't know how to do church. They don't know how to do, they don't know how to share the gospel. I mean, Peter's messages and, and Peter's preaching is still, it, it's powerful, but it's unrefined, right? He's just, he's just sharing what he knows. Um, so I don't know that it's the, the calling of the church to live like this as much as it was a a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit, Jesus calling us to do something unique and miraculous and divine and just very, very different. So that's kind of my sense of how things were actually working here. Hmm. So there's, you know, still this excitement about this passage where you can, um, you can imagine the, the signs and wonders that are being performed. You can imagine the, um, the community. Um, you can imagine the, um, 
all of the the good teaching that's happening and um, this idea of glad and sincere hearts, these people that are so excited to be with one another, that are um, sincere with one another uh, and that are just celebrating what's happened. And so that's something that I think the church can still grab a hold of. But if it, our circumstance is different, um, what is the right way to, is there, I don't know, I, <laughs> when you think about scripture, you hope that there's something in, in each passage maybe that you can apply. And that's not true. Everything sometimes you just have to appreciate. Um, but if there is something to apply and there is a way to reach um, that that experience, reach into it um, for ourselves, what do you think that application would be for us? Yeah. No, I think that's a really good point. You know, we, we do want to draw from this as much as we can. And um, I think there are principles here. There are definitely principles. Um, let's just think about the radical act of generosity. Is that a good principle to apply in mm -hmm. any stage of life, right? Um, reorienting all of the common resources, uh, reorienting yeah. those things into service for God. Is that a good thing to be doing? <laughs> Absolutely, right? That's That's... Jesus coming in and reorienting his people now and the life around uh, service to him, around divine love, right? Reaching out and caring for one another. And then you get this this sort of pattern of preparation. I think there's something here. This this church is in a season of massive change. Is that does that sound does it sound like anything that you are familiar with right now? <laughs> the church being in a radical season of change. Um, I think that the whole point that we have going on here is when they were meeting, they were they were studying, they were learning from the apostles. Um, there was this act of being together, right? Now we can't be together physically, but but can we be together virtually? Can we be together in small groups online? Can we be learning from one another, studying one another? We can't break bread together, but could we have coffee over a Zoom? Can we do something where we can just kind of share and talk and share some stories? Um, can we be breaking bread together in, in a virtual way? Can we be praying together? Absolutely. We've got online prayer services. We've got chances to be together for prayer. And it says they were praising. They were enjoying themselves. They were having a great experience. And so I do think that there are some principles here for a church that's in change, for a church that's in a season of change. They were in massive change, 3,000 people. We are in massive change, virtual church. It uh, may never be the same again. What can we be doing right now to orient ourselves and prepare ourselves for a season of change? Um, I really think that's part of what this passage gets to, um, is how do we bring together our resources? How do we share and learn and teach one another? And how do we grow and prepare ourselves for a whole new season of church? Um, that's kind of what I'm feeling these days right now from this passage. Yeah, so that's a... You know, maybe a different application um, than is expected or than, you know, maybe uh, could apply to a different time. You you, you talked about how um, really the the similarity of our situation is the um, this transition period. Um, and it kind of forced them to uh, go to the basics of their faith. You might you might be able to say, you know, the, the apostles teaching and fellowship, the breaking of bread uh, and prayer. Um Let's just stop Are those, there because I think yeah. I think that is important, right? We call them the basics of faith, 
they didn't know what the basics of faith were. Yeah. I mean, this is brand new to them. And so I do think that there is something to be said about, yes, this was the basics, but for them, it was developing a common language. It was mm-hmm. sharing the initial story. It was, there's so much going on here that we can't quite comprehend. You know, we put it in that in that language because to us, it's like going back to some foundational thing. Um, but for them, it was all brand new and they were just simply trying to sort it out, trying to figure out what was going on. And so they're learning together, they're growing together, they're studying together, they're developing a common language. They're trying to understand what it means to be, um, Christian. And yes, during any season of transition or any season of change, isn't that what we could all be doing, right? Just digging deeper into what is God saying to his church right now? What is God saying to this virtual church experience? What is God saying to us about reaching out and reaching the lost? You know, one of the things I love about what Jerusha Neal says in, in some of her commentaries is um, she talks about the, the boundaries of the church at this time being very porous, right? So one of the things that we look for oftentimes in the church and in organizations is we like to establish the rules. We like to establish the boundaries, you know, what's in, what's out. Well, imagine this church is bringing new people in every day. Those boundaries can't be rigid, right? They have to be open. There's new languages. These people are coming in with whole different interpretations of the Torah and and whole different languages, and, and they have to be open and adapting and growing and learning. And and so that's what this season for them was about, is adaptation, learning, growing, changing. And um, and I love that about this particular image about the season that we're in is how can we keep our how can we keep our boundaries meaningful? They're super meaningful, the boundaries of the church, but also as 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 Ms. Neal says, like porous, so that new people could be coming in all the time and growing with us and adapting to us and learning that language. And we're just reaching out and developing this commonality between us, like building community together. Uh, So I think that that's a lot of what's going on here. Interesting. Yeah, so they, you know, most of the the people that were coming to um, be a part of this community uh, were Jews. They were from different parts of the world, but um, there were Jewish people coming in, and so some some of these elements were actually just things that they had in common, and that they were going to. Um, and as long as they were, you know, supported in the mission of the church, there were the things that people were willing to accept and um, just participate in what they had in common. Is that a good reading of it? Yeah, I think that uh, the the word "common" is an interesting word in Greek. It's uh, I think it's "koinos." Um, mm. The word common can be interpreted a couple of different ways. You know, you can have um, you can have everything in common. You know, that's kind of one classic interpretation. You can have everything in common, which the you know, way we hear that into our minds is we share everything, right? We just bring everything to the table and we share everything. Well, I think uh, Willie Jennings uh, is an author and, and theologian, and he's wrote about this uh, in his book. And, and um, he makes reference to the fact that common might not necessarily be sharing everything, but but there's a common reorientation. In other words, the, the practical, the the normative, the ordinary things of life, the common things of life are now completely reoriented in service to Christ, in service to Jesus. And so this idea of having everything in common, well, it just means we're breaking bread together. Uh, we're 
hanging together, we're talking together, we're doing life together, we're spending time, we're sharing our money, we're doing, we're doing the common things of life together because Jesus has now come in and reoriented. We're, we're not at the temple anymore, right? We don't have to go make sacrifices and we're doing the common things of life together. We're sharing everything in common. And I, I love that. I love that how that orients us toward community, right? It orients yeah. us towards a unity uh, in community that is, is radically different. And that's what Jesus came to do, is radically alter um, what it meant to have everything in common, rich and poor, old and young, and all the different classifications that we can make up, right? To have everybody coming together in common, um, I think is a beautiful picture of what Jesus came to do in the early church, less prescriptive in terms of uh, a pattern for the church for all time, in terms of how it's structured, and more descriptive of what was happening and how it could happen in a variety of different ways, even in our own times. What does it look like to, to do the common things of life together in our day and age? And what does it look like to bring new people into the church all the time and every day? What does that look like? And um, I think that's the challenge that we are facing even now as a church, is to reimagine what the church looks like. Yeah. We all know it's not the building, it's the people. So what does it mean to do life together? Yeah. Oh, wait a minute. That's an interesting phrase. I think we've been talking about that before. <laughs> yeah. So my... I guess my, my last question uh, is kind of two parts, two questions if you want to answer them separately. Um, but you talked about how this was a time of, of preparation um, and you talked about this reorientation. Um, so this reorientation was preparation for um, the church um, in a time of transition. And they were transitioning from just beginning really from this radical outpouring of the spirit into what would become a lot more um, mundane and everyday. Um, and we see, you know, Paul writing letters to um, people later on in the New Testament, uh, churches that are very much living in everyday circumstances and dealing with everyday problems. Mm -hmm. um, so these practices, you know, apostles teaching, fellowship, breaking bread, prayer, um, and, you know, this idea of having everything in common and being oriented toward God, um, oriented in a new way how how did these things prepare the disciples this is part one how did these things prepare the disciples um for the challenges that were coming for the story of you know ananias and sapphira in chapter five x five um for the uh, the issue with um distribution of bread in chapter six and then beginning in chapter seven you have this persecution that goes out into um, chapter eight and then these people are scattered how did so part one is how did it prepare them? Um, and then part two is if we can apply this passage in any way, how can these practices or a reorientation prepare us for when we have transitioned into the next phase of life? Nothing like you to, to leave with a deep question. <laughs> um, no, it's a beautiful question. And I really... I guess I kind of want to sum it up and say rooted in Jesus Christ. Like, how, how does this prepare us? It's really digging down deep into the life of Jesus Christ. And what did, what did he do? How did he live? What, did he, what does he expect of us? It's going back to some of the core teachings, like in the, the Sermon on the Mount and early in Matthew uh, chapter 5 there. And it's going back to some of the lifestyle um, application that Jesus was teaching us all the way through. How does it prepare us? Well, 
there's a number one there's a unity right there's a a corporate commitment and a connection to each other that says we're not alone in this we're together uh, we can figure this out um, even if we can't be together and even all the early church as soon as they started spreading out and, and being persecuted they were on their own and then that's where a lot of these letters were coming in Paul Peter mm -hmm. others they're writing to try and encourage the church in the face of persecution in the face of common ordinary things you know the things that um, sexual immorality and and all the stuff that was going on in the church politics and who's getting what and who's taking care of who and all of that stuff right how do you live this life this common everyday life well you do it by knowing that you're together you've studied you know who Jesus is you have a sense of his heart and let's not forget the context of this passage we need the Holy Spirit it's the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and unless and until we have this strong outpouring of the Holy Spirit living in and through us and changing the way we think and do things in our lives um, let's just not let's just not brush past that right this isn't just about trying to live right and do the right thing this is about being devoted and sold out and led by the Holy Spirit so how did it prepare them I think the Holy Spirit prepared them the community prepared them the sharing of resources the reorientation of all the common around the good that Jesus Christ was calling us to um, all of that is rooted in Jesus Christ and what he did and what he stood for and, and what he called us to be and to do so maybe that so this um, yeah go ahead. this time then is a you know a time of transition for us is a time when we can return to um, those teachings you know the apostles teachings and uh, really discover who Jesus was and what he did so that we can then root ourselves in some way um, for moving forward is that what you're getting at absolutely I think you're hitting the nail on the head and um, I don't want us to get caught up or stuck in trying to do church a certain way mm. what I want us to do is to be led by the love of Jesus Christ motivated mm. and led by the power of his Holy Spirit to be welcoming new people in and trying new things and doing different things holding on to the core values and teachings that we believe in and that the Bible teaches us um, but at the same time just embracing people who are searching and hurting and struggling and wanting to know more and what does that look like in each of our lives and then what does it look like for us as a church uh, especially as we consider getting back together at some point in the future uh, what does it look like to continue reaching out and doing things differently so yeah absolutely it's an exciting vision to be a part of um, yeah. Absolutely. To think that we can have a, a goal and a purpose in this time to, to be working on, to improve ourselves and to um, better our community. Um, so that, that in that sense, this passage does have a lot of meaning to us. And um, I, I think that's really cool. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think fundamentally reorienting our perspective around using this season as a season of preparation as opposed to a season of withdrawal or drought, you know? Um, what is God saying to each of us, and, and how are we living, and what does it mean to us? Um, I'd love for us all to be pressing into the teachings and the prayer and the praise, and, you know, to the extent that we can, you know, do something with somebody virtually. Uh, let's, let's have coffee together. Let's break some bread together um, virtually. Do whatever you can do, even just within your own families, just sitting down and having meals together and doing different things. Uh, foundational principles. I think they are foundational principles in a season of preparation because I do believe that the church is not going to be the same coming out of this. So, 
Well, Jared, thank you. I'm going to call it there. Um, just for the sake of time, I appreciate your time. I'll let you say goodbye, and then I'll close this with a couple of thoughts. All right. Well, see you later. <laughs> Thanks for popping in, and great questions. Um, anybody ever wants to have a great conversation, Jared loves to ask some deep stuff, and it's really fun. So, um, so I really appreciate him. And uh, we're going to transition. Uh, we have a, another instrumental piece of music um, by Rachel Mills, and I'm so thankful that she has contributed to us. And um, as she's playing, I invite you to put some prayer requests, maybe something that has been said has sparked a thought in your mind or heart. And um, Olivier is going to be, Pastor Olivier is going to be reviewing those comments. And um, then when Rachel's video is done, he's going to come on and he's going to close out with a season of prayer for whatever's on your heart, whatever's on your mind, and uh, just close us out with a, with a time of prayer. So enjoy this instrumental. I'll close just briefly right now and uh, invite you to share your comments with us. It's been great being with you this morning. Heavenly Father, I am so grateful and thankful for this season that we are in. I don't know where you're taking your church, but you have... Uh, a plan and a purpose for all of this, this radical reorientation and reformation, reformation of the church, of really, of life in general. Uh, Lord, I just don't know what you're doing, but I'm trusting you that you have a deeper plan and purpose. And I just pray that you'll open up our hearts and minds and draw us deeper into you to have a better sense of what it means to reach out, to serve others, uh, to pull resources together, to share, to meet needs, to, to make sure that there is no unmet need among us, Lord. What does that look like, and, and how do we draw more people into faith and to understanding and to uh, share our testimony? Lord, I just pray that all of this would come together according to your will and to your purpose. We love you, we thank you, and Lord, even now as people submit prayer requests, I pray your anointing over that and your blessing over Pastor Olivier as he plays, uh, as he prays in a few minutes. And now, Lord, as we enjoy this uh, instrumental, we just look to you for your grace and mercy. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Enjoy the video.